You're listening to Partnernomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. Welcome back to another episode of Partnernomics Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Brigman. And we've got a great, great podcast lined up for you today, uh, Mr. Gillian and uh, David from Content Square. Super cool company. I had an opportunity to, to meet these guys a few months back and just learn more of what uh, their company is up to. And man, if you love growth businesses, uh, you're going to really love hearing what these guys have to say, uh, not only through partnerships, but through acquisition, through organic. I mean, they're, they're pulling out all the tools uh, to, to grow their business. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they've just about doubled or if not doubled uh, just in the last year. So they're really making some, some big waves, but glad David, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Mark. I'm glad if you wouldn't mind, man, I'd love for you just to kind of share a little bit about, uh, we kind of like to start with understanding how did people jump into, into, you know, the, the business world and then how they made their way into the partnerships track. Love to hear your story. So uh, I actually started my career like many people in Israel in the military, but I liked it so much. I decided to stay on and uh, double my, uh, my time there. Um, and, and I was in, uh, an officer in the armored corps, a company commander. Uh, I finished that journey and uh, went on to business school, law school, became a lawyer and kind of got tired watching the business go from the sidelines and wanted to jump in. Uh, this is how I got into business. I actually joined Clicktail just over six years ago. Uh, I had to have someone push me through the door. But once uh, once I was in, I, I knew I, uh, I liked what I was doing to partnerships. It was really that I got there by chance. I started in a, in a sales role. Uh, and I, I just had an opportunity. Someone approached me at a certain point in time and, and said, hey, we have this partner. Uh, no one really wants to manage them. And I asked, what is it about? And they said, well, it's, it's managing an Excel sheet and getting money for it. And, and I thought to myself, well, that, that's stupid to say. Why, why doesn't anyone want to touch this? That's stupid to say no to this. Um, and uh, when I started managing that partner that today is a multimillion dollar partner for us, Back then, it was a couple of hundred uh, Ks uh, a year. Um, I realized that there's a, a lot of potential there. And uh, that's how I started uh, building the Clicktail uh, and then later on the Content Square Partner Program. But uh, I'm connecting it to the beginning of my career. In the 12 years of doing reserves in the Army, I actually commanded a unit that what that unit does is very similar to partnerships. It uh, has very specialized teams that joins other teams so in essence, I've been doing partnerships there and, and the, uh, the move into doing that in business was very, very uh, smooth for me. Um, so I found something I liked as a combination of sales and uh, relationships. Um, and even though I did jump back to sales at a certain point, I never looked back and partnerships is my real passion. Man, how interesting is that? Well, it's, it's been so awesome with us uh, working with different clients, especially working with uh, companies out of Israel. It absolutely blew my mind whenever I learned how many startups, how many tech companies uh, come from Israel. Somebody said, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but somebody said there's more startups per capita uh, in Israel than any other country on the planet. And judging just uh, anecdotally from conversations I have, I, I believe it. <laughs> Yeah, makes, I, I don't know the numbers, but it makes sense to me. So 
glad you have a background in law. So there's been a few people that I've chatted with, right, that are partnering professionals, leading teams that have a background in law. But it, it seems that, you know, at least for in my career, a lot of what I did is put contracts together, write those contracts, negotiate those contracts. So, man, with your background in law, it's like it's like you're cheating. Well, you can ask David. Till, till this day, I actually jump on calls to help bridge the, the gap between legal and partnerships when it's, uh, when it's needed. I can't wait for, for the day that I won't need to do that, but I, I, it actually is kind of fun to use both uh, skill sets. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, David, same thing, man. Love to hear about you know, your background and uh, the, the journey that you've made to get into the partnering role. Yeah, yeah. I, I think mine is more, uh, I don't know if you call it traditional or non-traditional, and I wish it was as cool as Galad's because I, I I never was in the military and got to drive around tanks and stuff. But uh, I have been, uh, and I would say for the most part, I, I you know, it was over 20 years ago when I, I got my really first role in partnerships. And that was, I was working at a, a division of Oracle, and this was pre-SAS day, right before the dot-com days. Uh, in a, a team called the Solutions Network, when Oracle, Oracle was going through a transformation of being a product company to a solutions company. Uh, so it got a, a huge amount of exposure of the whole partner ecosystem of Oracle back in the day. And from there, I just was bit and really knew that I wanted to be in, in kind of a, a little bit more of a partner sales, partner business development, partner role to, to you know really help transform the industry. And I was just at a point where I really enjoyed the digital space and that was starting to become a little bit more dominant. And then, you know, the dot-com days kind of took off and the boom and bust and just kind of stuck with it, both with solution companies and technology companies, but with always an emphasis of like, hey, how can I help uh, these companies build a go-to-market strategy with partners to really help expand the top of the top of the funnel and really build stronger relationships that really help grow uh, and maintain you know, a customer base uh, for companies that are looking to really just accelerate their scaling. So uh, that's what it kind of manifested into. And yes, uh, you know, so, you know, uh, in over the many years, uh, it just, I've had the benefit of working both at services companies and, and the technology companies, both in SaaS and, and even uh, predating e-commerce companies, uh, both of, uh, you know, uh, you know, what is now part of Oracle Commerce. And uh, just had the benefit of seeing many different plays and, and shapes across the board. But, you know, it always remains the same. It's just, you know, partnerships, relationships, it's a key component. And for companies who really get it right, they can really help accelerate and, and create a faster growth uh, to market as it relates to that. And I do, uh, and I will never stop crutching on Galad for contract uh, association. He's my legal team that I pull into for all of this as well. So he's I just never getting off that. the hook. No, no. That's one it's one of the reasons I came back to work for him as well. That's awesome. Well David, I'm I'm curious to ask uh how has I mean partnering's still partnering, but but technology has just changed so much over the last two decades. How has the landscape change with partnering i mean we're, we're seeing statistics come out now i mean i think microsoft has upwards of four hundred thousand quote-unquote partners between you know 300 and 400 per day uh, we see all of these big companies right the ibms all the way down to the smaller organizations just talk about how they are increasing their quantity of of partnering professionals how they're doubling down on partnering it's just more efficient to do the, the this partnering thing 
And it seems like as partnering professionals, we finally arrived. You know, it's like, okay, partnering yeah. is a real thing. It's not going away. It's it's proving its value. We're still trying to figure out how to prove its value, but we just we just feel it. So investments are being made there. But kind of let us jump in your head for a minute. I mean, what what have you seen over the last couple of decades and how how has it how's partnering changed from let's say, you know, the, the late nineties, early two thousands to what it is today? I think the biggest change has been it's become very multidimensional within uh, the company, right? So if I look back in the days, in the early days of like getting into partnerships roles, it was very one dimensional for, hey, just, you know, it was very partner sales focused, drive partner sales, build out a value add a reseller channel, do something that's very kind of, you know, more so that sat under the, the CRO. And was very, you know, I would call it like one dimensional. But today, uh, really, the companies that are starting to do right, and and I think Jonathan uh, Sherkey on our side really understands this and sees the value of this. It's very multidimensional. I mean, we're engaged and in, incorporated into every aspect of the company as it relates to customer success and to our services organization, as well as support, as well as marketing, as well as having a seat at the table with the executives. And it's a core component for the organization. So prior days and earlier days, it was more kind of, you know, just a sales function and just very one dimensional. But I think now we're just, we're spreading and, and building in companies that are getting it right. See it very much as a multidimensional. You have to have a seat at the executive table and have to have a mindset from the CEO down to be a great partnering organization. And people who really accept that are starting to see some really good benefits. Yeah, well said. Glad. Love to dig into I mean, what in the world is Content Square. Can you share a little bit with us about the company's history? And then what does partnering mean for Content Square right now? What does that look like? So Content Square's mission really is to give every digital team the ability to measure the behaviors on the website. So we, in essence, give you visibility that is lacking in online uh, properties to see how your visitors are interacting with your digital channels. So if you were a restaurant owner, you can walk in the morning and you can see if everything is clean, if all the waiters are there, if the cutlery is clean, if the food is good, uh, and you'll be able to tap into all the interactions with them, right? If they, if they do voice a concern or anything, you'll be able to react to that. You'll be able to, to go and ask them what exactly happened. Uh, and in the digital world, you just don't have that. So we record every interaction and we help uh, aggregate that data and quantify that data in a way that gives context to how people are reacting to your website. So that is everything from error tracking and finding buttons that don't work, finding uh, parts of the website or flows that, that are just not intuitive or, or mistakes that we made, like putting a checkout button in, a, in under the fold, under the average screen height. Uh, so that's Content Square. The company was uh, founded in 2012 by Jonathan Cherkey in France as part of his uh, college uh, project. And in 2019, it acquired Clicktail, the company that I came from and, and David actually worked for uh, in the past. And Clicktail was doing the same thing and, and actually owning most of the patents uh, of the industry around session replays, heat maps, et cetera. And since we, uh, the company was acquired and merged into uh, Content Square, we never looked back and we became the definitive leader in experience analytics. We've since then did uh, another five acquisitions and, and raised a lot of money uh, to date, uh, over $800 million with the two last rounds in the last 12 months being uh, almost $700 million in, uh, in funding. 
But we just last week acquired another player in the space, Hotjar, that does the same thing that we do, but for the SMB in, uh, in mid-market. And with that, we actually are now able to provide our service anywhere from an entrepreneur or a neighborhood store owner who doesn't want to pay anything or wants to pay $9.99 to the largest uh, enterprises in the world needing this service to really help increase uh, the money they make online and create better experiences because anywhere you'll look, you'll see that experience is the new currency. Um, so that in, in a nutshell is what Content Square does. So uh, kind of tracking this, these, these digital experiences, it's mobile, it's web, it's, it's anything digital is, is the capability there to, to aggregate, to pull that data and then run analytics and share insights based upon that? Yes, it's, it's any touch point that you have with the website, anything that happened there, whether static or dynamic, it's important to say we don't, uh, we, everything is anonymous. We don't capture personal identifiable information. We just don't collect that. And uh, we don't really care who you are. We care about the interaction and the experience that you had. And we care about finding similar experiences and quantifying them to really uh, be able to surface problems uh, and things that are working well or working not well in your digital property. And so glad from a from a partnering perspective, um, how is Content Square partnering? I would imagine there is a sales side. There's probably some technology side. There's there's other pieces and ways that organizations partner. What does partnering look like from Content Square's perspective? So Content Square traditionally has been more on the co-sell approach. Uh, we we do have a resale practice and uh, a pretty good one that we brought over from Clicktail, but uh, because we are growing uh, mostly uh, uh, direct today. That's more co-sell, although we are developing other channels. We like to see, to look at it in, uh, in three pillars. There's a technology partners world uh, that is uh, integrations and in creating uh, new value propositions with our partners. And for us, by the way, in Clicktail, in Clicktail, in Content Square, it's very, very easy. It will, it's been over two years, but it's still hard to shake that, uh, that muscle of, uh, of calling everything Clicktail. Um, but we help contextualize other companies' data, uh, or we help power them if they're companies that take action. So as an example, if you're an analytics company or an A-B testing company or a voice of customer company, we will gladly push our, uh, our, our data and help contextualize the data that they already captured. So we're very complementary to these players. Uh, and if you're, uh, if you're a company that, that does certain actions like the personalization companies or if you're a BI tool, we can push our data out to your platform to take action and, and make smarter decisions based on our data. So that is a technology partner practice and uh, it's, it's pretty straightforward. The other pillar that we have is around the solution partners and that's, it's, it's less content square is a very easy solution to deploy. So historically in the partnerships world and, and David can share more about that. And, and he had the pleasure of working for some companies like that, that required a lot of set up or, or a lot of uh, work and hand-holding to make sure that you can extract value from the product. The good thing and bad thing about Content Square is that it's super easy. The company was built to democratize data. Everything is super easy. Any person in the world, including my almost 90-year-old grandma, can use Content Square to get insight from, uh, from their website. Uh, the thing is, it doesn't leave a lot of room for services for partners. So we, we actually had to tackle that problem and say, hey, how do we make sure there's a win-win here? And the way we, uh, we actually built it uh, and, and are building it is that Content Square actually makes our partners smarter and they can provide new services or they can even provide some 
this was today from uh, cons- management consultancy site revamps, uh, site audits, and become smarter, uh, be more accurate, and have a faster time to insight while they're leveraging Content Square. So we had to think a bit outside of outside the box, but we eventually uh, we eventually got there and find the win win found a win win proposition with uh, with these partners as well. And the third pillar that I touched on a little bit in the in the beginning is the indirect part, which we are developing, but again in a slower pace. Uh, where we have distributors um, and reselling value-added resellers selling content square in uh, specific regions. It's a very successful practice, but again, it's it's not one that we are looking to compete with sales in our core regions. It's in regions where we decide to go indirect. That's where we have these teams who are specialized. Got it. David, I'd love for you to just kind of talk to us about strategy in general, like around partnerships. I mean, so many, uh, at least clients that we work with, it seems like the bulk of them are wanting to, um, you know, shift from primarily direct to become primarily indirect. Love for you just to to, sh- to you know share some of your insights about, you know, how leaders should think about strategy and partnerships and how to construct new programs or how to think about building a strategy around partnering. Yeah, it's a great question. It's a, something we always. Uh, are talking about and continue to talk about as an industry and leaders and and across and all the different companies to do this. And I, I think the, the primary, what the goal of everyone should be thinking about as it relates to the strategy is, is, is once you define what that is for the company and how we think about it, is it, you really have to do a lot of internal selling and a, a internal education and really working with the teams you know, top to bottom to help them to incorporate them into the mix of the picture, right? So uh, the, the worst thing anyone could do in, in our role within any organization is thinking that you can single thread a strategy with any partner or your partner's strategy overall, if you don't basically get buy-in and commitment and accountability for other people in the organization, you know, direct sales, marketing, services, et cetera. So it's very, uh, it's very critical once you set that strategy uh, that you do really get buy-in from all those different people within uh, the organization. And then clearly start to identify and really start to pick off, uh, you know, you, it, every company I've been to, you know, and it, like everyone speaks of like, hey, here are the, you know, 20 to 30 companies that we need to have a partnership with. I, you know, I remember a funny story in one of the previous companies that, uh, that I worked for, and I, I won't say any names, but I can say who the partner was, is that the, the the CEO wanted IBM as a partner so much for the fact that he had someone come in over the weekend and paint uh, the gentleman who was running partnerships office completely blue with the IBM logos all over the <laughs> walls, just to reiterate that. Uh, but, you know, it's great. Uh, and, you know, at that time, it's a fairly large company. And and uh, a funny story, uh, but uh, you know, without the buy-in of you know, just you know, the, the CEO was bought in, but you know, really had to work hard and getting buy-in from other people in the organization to make that a very successful relationship, and it takes a lot. So the bigger the bigger beast you try to swallow as a partner, you know, it's a lot more work that you have to do a lot more internal selling, and those will take a longer time. Uh, but you know, for starting out for the companies that are earlier in the space. Uh, it's really critical just to define and get a couple quick wins with, you know, no matter what size the technology or solution partner is, start to kind of build that muscle up as you grow and get to a point 
then you can start expanding to the larger systems integrators, the larger solution providers, and the bigger technology companies that are in that the broader ecosystem that you live in. Uh, yeah, the, love when you you know the way you say that because we we teach and preach so much that partnering really is a culture uh, within an organization, and 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 being able to embrace that, I think especially with companies that start off as purely direct sales, you know, you kind of have that it's us against the world sort of approach and you, and you kind of build that muscle of, of how your organization fits and that culture. And then whenever you kind of start to transition and you're doing this partnering thing, it's kind of like, well, who's, who's that group? What, is, what does that mean? It's almost like uh, this, you, there's initiatives where we're looking to chop off the new arm. <laughs> that we grew and uh you know partnering is i think such a culture and and it takes a lot of work you know from the executives all the way down to really embrace to inform to get people to to buy into that approach yeah you bring up a very good point and galad knows this is very uh, wholeheartedly like we can't sit back and rest and think we've done our job like even if we get complete buy-in from the top down you it's a consistent muscle you have to do day to day to reach out to build the muscle to uh, speak with as many people as possibly internally to get them to really understand and get them to adopt that mindset and that culture as well. Yeah, it seems that so many of uh, the, the people that we touch in partnering, I think it's one of the most dynamic roles there are, right? Because we get to touch potentially any and all uh, different groups and departments all across our organizations. And so I think you're totally right. It's you know, it's uh, communicating up, communicating down, and, and sideways. It's all the above. So, glad and the the amount of growth that you guys have seen over the last year or so is just, you know, nothing short of phenomenal. You guys are just really making some aggressive moves. I'd like to talk a little bit about scaling and just scaling the, the partnering function itself. Uh, how do you manage the, the growth, uh, you know, with within the teams and maybe even talk to us a little bit about the importance of process and just being really uh, mindful about how you continue to build the team and continue to, to execute. Yeah. So when I realized for the first time that we are going to grow and, and continue to grow in this rate, I uh, started speaking with people from the industry who have, who have done this before, because honestly, I've never scaled anything uh, to, to this level. Um, and, and the one thing they all said, and, and we know this, right? Partnership is a long game. It, it's not that you flip a switch today and you get the fruit tomorrow. You need to plant the tree and, and you'll see the fruit 12 months from now. Um, so one of the best tips I got was build the right infrastructure for as if you were already a big company, even if you don't need everything right now. So build these processes, start using these processes, start uh, practicing that muscle because otherwise in a year from now, when you're going to be triple the team you are today and you're going to have a, a target that is four times what you have today, you're not going to be able to do it. So one of the first thing we did was build the processes around it. And we put, even if we had a, a team of a manager and two people, we build processes that will be sustainable even when we have a manager and, and 10 people there with team leads. And that's what we're also doing today, by the way. We keep on meeting with HR, meeting with, uh, with, with our business partners internally and building the infrastructure to support uh, the future growth of this team and of the company. The second thing is around technology. And we've adopted a ton of partnership technology, which, by the way, probably deserves its own podcast, uh, the, the growth in uh, partner technology, uh, partner relationship management platforms, the account mapping platform. 
platforms or as they call themselves, uh, data escrow services, um, marketplace uh, providers, uh, and, and, and the list goes on and on. And we started adopting these and, and putting in processes and, and putting making decisions around what is going to be our, our center of gravity. For us, by the way, it's Salesforce. So everything goes and flows through Salesforce. doesn't matter. If you don't play with Salesforce, you're out. Uh, whether you're a person or you're a platform, you have to, uh, to play that game. And uh, we're using that for growth. I will say that the biggest challenge that we have today is less on, on scaling the, uh, the team or the partnerships, meaning we know what we need to do there. We are putting in the right processes. We are doing the right things. And we actually have the buy-in from our internal customers, from sales as well, to invest a lot of our time in building the future and not just building the present. I think the biggest challenge we have today is around recruitment and around training and enablement, because we are in a place where, honestly, David Kent does not have time to onboard the people joining his team uh, because he has a day job and, and he can't do that once a month. Uh, and the second thing is recruiting. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, we're, we're recruiting a lot of people and we're looking for talent, but honestly, there's a shortage of, of good talent in the partner and specifically partner sales space. And uh, that is a big challenge and something that I deal with uh, personally every day. Yeah, glad that's a great segue into my, my next question for you. And that is, uh, man, it seems that the pool of partnering professionals was tapped out years ago. <laughs> and so now it's, it's net new people, right. That are coming into this partnering role. So this is a huge question, a huge challenge, not only for, for you and your team, but literally across the globe. What kind of, well, let me ask you this. What type, what has it been your, what, what's been your experience? What does your experience teach you of what is a great, uh, you know, approach, psyche, methodology, just kind of a background, philosophies, for people that make great partnering professionals. It's funny that you asked. The, the, the first thing I did when I actually got promoted in Clicktail years ago, and, and they told me, okay, you've done well, build a team, is I built, I spent the whole flight between the States and Israel, about 11 hours building this, uh, this Excel uh, sheet calculator uh, wizard that had all these correct characteristics. And I saw people and, and actually build the perfect partner manager. And by the time I landed uh, back in Tel Aviv, I, I knew the calculator so well, I actually never used it. So um, I, I can tell you what I was looking for in a partner manager and today what I'm looking for, because these are two very different things. I was originally looking for people who, who have sales experience, whether it's partner sales or actual, uh, or actual sales, but people who close deals uh, and know how to close deals because that's something that is very, very hard uh, to teach. And honestly, partnerships is about closing deals. Whether it's a partner or a customer, you're closing a deal. Uh, and you need to know how to sell and not just how to, uh, the, the, the jump I feel between roles like uh, CSMs or SDRs to partnerships is a, a whole lot of a lot more difficult than it is from sales to partnerships. It doesn't mean that you can't find people who, who know how to do that jump and will know how to bridge the gap. But I'm looking for people who are sales professionals and then people who are, and that's more of a soft skill, people who have relationship skills, people who, uh, uh, who know how to uh, keep the, the internal relationship and the external relationship and that are plug and play easily and very easy to adapt uh, to, uh, to new environments. That was originally. Today, honestly, I hire talent. I, 
uh, there, you know, that, like you said, the pool is so short. And if someone comes to me and says, uh, you know, I'm not from MarTech. I don't, I know nothing about MarTech. I've never sold anything, but I look at the person and I was like, okay, this is a talented person and someone we can grow. We will usually take that person and invest in, in growing that person, honestly, because you can't get 30, 40, 50 good partner sales professionals in the market. If I have to have in the company that number of partner salespeople, it will be impossible if I just look for these unicorns who uh, exist maybe somewhere out there. Yeah, great insights there. Well, David, I'm going to ask you the last question, if you would. I'll have you uh, tackle this one. So I mean, I'm one of those people that I firmly believe we learn so much more from either our challenges or our mistakes that we overcome, uh, as opposed to the things that we just kind of get these windfalls. Uh, I ask you to reflect back on your career. What's, what's maybe something that uh, a challenge or something that you had to overcome, maybe a, a mistake where you should have went left, but uh, you know you went right? What's something that you could share with us, uh, you know, leaning back on your career that we could take with us? Wow, uh, that's a very loaded question, especially with my bo <laughs> I boss. Was, on, I would actually know, also that like to hear that. That's, a, that's an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, it's a great question. I mean, I don't think that, you know, look, I've been doing this long enough where it's like no one's perfect, right? We've always... Uh, you always, even through the course of the year, you make a lot of mistakes. And uh, the biggest thing is like how quickly you recover and acknowledge and just learn from that. Uh, you know, and if I looked on, you know, speaking to people that are probably a little bit earlier in their stage and going through this as well is just no specifics are coming to mind, but believe me, you know, give me like an hour and I can write down a handful of them. Uh, but the biggest thing is just what I've learned uh, you know, the biggest thing really over the course of my career is just open and honesty is like a huge value that just, you know, uh, hey, if you don't know something, speak up. You know, I have kids now, a high schooler and a middle schooler, right? And I'm trying to, I'm like, wow, I'm finally realizing all the stuff my parents were teaching me. But even in business and especially with partnerships, like, you know, you, it's a blessing and a curse where we come across so we're exposed to so much in the business of how everything is made, you know, from the complete, you know, writing code all the way to people solving business problems. We see that whole landscape and to really understand that from point A to point B is just like there, there's, you know, there's very few people out there that really have a grasp of all of that entire ecosystem. And there's going to be points and stages when you're going through your career that you won't know certain things like if solution partners or technology partners are explaining things, you know, and just be honest to take the time and, and learn more and ask questions. So, you know, you try to avoid as many of the pitfalls that you may fall into because the more questions and the more understanding, you know, the ecosystem, the better. Uh, and, you know, if I look back at my career and, you know, and even thinking forward, it's like, I, I don't, you know, you hate to coin the phrase because it's like, I feel like I'm talking to a bunch of uh, high schoolers and, and middle schoolers. It's like, there's no stupid questions. So even if you don't know, if you hear something, chime in, ask, pull people to the side, uh, because we are, uh, as I like to say, it, it's like we are somewhat the Navy SEALs of, of, the, uh, of the sales organization and the software organization and the partnership world. It's like when we're doing our job right, no one knows that we came in and did the job for the most part and everyone else may be a high-fiving and you got to be okay with that. But knowing everything to keep yourself and the team moving forward and building the company is just, you, you know, you just got to be comfortable with that role. Yeah. And David, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And Mark, just to add on that, 
and, and it is a bit of cliche, but uh, I think my personally, my biggest successes in my career so far came right after a big failure. And, and I learned from these failures more than I learned from the, from, from the success. So every time, every time I failed, whether it's uh, it's here right now in this role or in previous roles, I use that as a learning experience to jump and do a lot better. And like David said, everyone remembers the failures, but no one remembers when, the, when, when you succeed. And I actually think that's a positive thing, that the constant reminder that we want to, to be better and that we are striving to, uh, to, be, uh, to be better and to get bigger achievements. Yeah, those, those are great words of wisdom. I'm a firm believer that uh, if you're not failing periodically, you're not trying because you're, you're just playing it too safe. And uh, I, I, I echo that. I absolutely have learned a lot more from, uh, from my failures than I have the successes. But that's, that's really when we have a chance to, you know, push the status quo, to, to make these paradigm shifts, to, to, to mix it up and change it up. And if you're not willing to take the risk of, of failing, I think you're just playing too conservative. And, and overall, it's, it is more that innovative, aggressive approach to try things that, that pushes us to new heights. Uh, so yeah, I, I love that. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Well, glad, David. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to, to learn more about your guys' background. Uh, Content Square, man, the amazing growth that you guys are seeing now. And look forward to continue to track you guys and uh, report on your success. Thanks for having us, Mark. Great. Thanks, Mark. Partnernomics podcast is brought to you by Partnernomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partnernomics podcast, visit partnernomics.com.